What's up everybody? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge Sunday morning online worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you continue to share these links with your friends and family, if you think it'll help them, continue to do that. We're so thankful for that. For those of you that continue to give online and you're generous, understand that it helps this ministry keep going, that helps people, allows us to feed more people and serve more people. We're so thankful for you. Today we begin a brand new series that hopefully will bring a lot of inspiration to your life. We have seen heartache, we've seen pain, we've seen depression and sadness and fear and anxiety and desperation. We have seen heartache, but today I want to start a new series entitled, I Want to See Jesus. And this is really the perfect opportunity for you and I to stop and to slow down and have a very real, have a very lasting, and have a very personal turning point experience with Jesus. That's what this series is all about. But in order for that to happen, you and I have to be engaged. We have to be here in the moment. We have to be present in our heart, in our mind, and in our focus, and we have to show up in our heart. When I was five years old, I remember for the very first time, I felt God's presence come over me in my life. It's when I was praying with my dad and my older brother when we were little boys. It was on a Sunday night. We'd get on our knees every single Sunday night with my dad, and he would ask us about church and what we learned in church, and then he would pray over us. I remember specifically as my dad was praying, feeling the presence of God. When I was six years old, one time I went to work with my dad. My dad was an associate pastor at a big church. I remember as I was walking through the halls with him, I walked by an office in the church and I felt like God spoke to me as a little boy and said, one day you'll have an office in a church. One day you'll be a preacher. I remember a few Sunday nights later as a six-year-old boy, I was sitting in a church service, a revival meeting on a Sunday night and I clearly felt the presence of God speak to my heart and say, one day you're gonna be a preacher. When I was nine years old, I felt separated from God for the very first time because I knew in that moment, it was the very first time that I understood that I was running from God and that I had sin that separated me from Him. When I was 12 years old, I felt like God protected me from an assault. I was at a baseball field with my mom. An older man asked me to help him go to his house and unlock his door because he locked himself out. I got into his truck and I didn't know any better. I didn't even tell my mom. I was just gonna go down the road with him. As I was getting into his truck, two older men noticed what was happening and they chased us down. They pulled me and my mom off to the side and said that he was a known child molester. He was just trying to get me to his house. Those men went to his house and his doors were not locked at all. I look back on my life and I think that was the hand of God protecting me. When I was 16 years old, I felt like God told me that one day, one day I'd be leading worship services. I felt like God moved on me in my life and I felt like God said that one day I would be helping people. When I was 19 years old, I finally quit running from God. And in my bedroom with my father on my knees praying, I had an experience with Jesus. And honestly, just last week, I felt like God spoke to my heart. I was at a desperate time in my life and I felt like God said this. I felt like God said, your mission is to leave behind love in this world. The other day, a friend told me something that really hit home with me. And this is what he said, and remember this today. He said, in my life, I could feel God floating around me all the time. And when he said that, I started to look back on my life and I felt like the same thing was true. As I look back on my life, I could feel that Jesus has been floating around me the entire time. My entire life, God has been showing himself to me, revealing himself to me, presenting himself to me, floating around me my entire life. But it's always been up to me to show up and open up my heart. And that's why we're here today. This is the perfect opportunity for you and I to stop and to focus on Jesus and have a turning point moment. Chances are, if you think about it also, 
God's also been floating around you your entire life. If you look back on your life, you can see God's hand working, God's hand moving, God trying to show himself to you and reveal himself to you. And what a great chance that we have right now. And you didn't even know I was going to talk about this, but what a great chance that you have right now, wherever you are listening, just to stop and to focus your mind and your heart on Jesus and let this be a turning point. 10,000 years ago, there was a group of people who did not fit in. They were targeted by Egypt. They were oppressed by Egypt. They were bullied by Egypt. They were rejected by Egypt. They were imprisoned by Egypt, and they were slaves in Egypt. And every day, all day long, their slaveholders made them make bricks, heavy bricks, all day long from sunup to sundown. Their only value was making bricks and bricks and more bricks. They felt alone. They felt bullied. They felt worthless. They felt scared. They felt like nothing. And so day and night, it says, they were crying out to God. Day and night, they were asking God to deliver them, calling God out by name, asking God for a leader, asking God for deliverance, asking God for help. And these slaves, while in Egypt, are set free eventually by a leader that God chose named Moses. And during this time, God inspires Moses to write something to these rejects known as the Israelites to help them understand the love of God. We know this as the book of Genesis. It was a poem. Notice what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, notice the point here. The first thing we need to understand about this verse is this. Number one, God draws close to anyone who's going through dark times. 48,000 teenagers will try to commit suicide this year. And I heard just the other day that one in 1,000 teenagers will lose both parents to COVID. And so when it's you who feels alone, when it's you who feels low, when it's you who feels dark and crushed, it's in those times when Jesus starts to hover over us. He starts to seek after us and pursue us and to chase us down because he loves us. He loves you. The second thing is this, in your darkness, God speaks. The other day I was at Walgreens. As I was leaving Walgreens, I was walking out to my truck in the parking lot. And across the parking lot, I saw one of my friends. His name's John. So I yelled to him, hey, John. But he didn't turn around. So I got a little bit closer. I said, hey, John. He didn't turn around. So I got a little bit closer. I said, hey, John, it's me. He didn't turn around. He's one of, our, one of my friends that plays the guitar here. So I ran up to him. I said, hey, John. And when he turned around, I realized it wasn't John at all. This guy turned around. He goes, hey, man, my name's not John. It's Ronnie. I said, sorry, man, I had no idea. But in our darkness, God speaks very clearly, let there be light in our life. And the great thing about Jesus is that he never, ever gets your name wrong. And so whenever we're depressed, whenever we feel defeated, whenever we feel like we're at the end of our rope, whenever we feel like our well is empty, whenever we feel like life is just being drained out of us, whenever we feel like life is dark, whenever we're screaming for help and deliverance, Jesus always screams back to us and he calls us out by our name and he never gets our name wrong. In fact, the book of Hebrews says that Jesus ever lives. He rose from the dead to make intercession for you and I, which means that he prays for you and I, which means that when Jesus prays for you, he calls you out by name. How encouraging is that? That the very God of the universe who stepped out onto nothing and spoke everything into existence, that when he prays, he's literally calling out your name. If you could hear him right now, pray. If you could hear Jesus Christ pray and call you out by name, you wouldn't fear a thousand enemies. How much strength would that give you? He never gets your name wrong, but just because you can't hear him doesn't mean that he's not calling out your name. He loves you today. He calls out your name to love us and to heal us and to change us and to set us free. But it's always up to you and I to stop 
and to turn around without hesitation and to open up our hearts to God. God had a plan for this nation, this group of Hebrew rejects. He wanted to use them to show the entire world the love of God. He called the nation of Israel to be the priest to the world. So for the next few thousand years, they would get close to God, they would wander away. Get close to God, then they would wander away. And every time God would scream their name, trying to call them back to him like he is right now for many of you, screaming your name, asking you to come back to him. So by the time Jesus shows up to reveal God to us, we call Jesus God in a bod. This was God in the flesh. This group of Jewish outcasts known as the nation of Israel, they had taken the laws of God and they had taken this beautiful relationship with God and they had turned it into this traditional and legalistic religion. And so Jesus had to show up to turn us back into a relationship with God and to bring us out of religion. And so Jesus chose 12 disciples that were outcasts. On the outside, they didn't look like anything. They never will amount to anything. They're the not good enoughs of society. And they all follow Jesus without hesitation. Everyone understands something. How many times have you missed out on something really cool because you hesitated? The other night, man, I had the longest day. I was working from the time I got up till almost like 8.30 at night. It was the long day, funerals, counseling, all that kind of stuff. And I was exhausted and hungry. So by the time I start looking at waiter, I'm thinking, man, I deserve a steak. I'm going to order a steak from Logan's or, or a 121 or something like that, walk-ons. I'm going to order a steak. And so as I'm looking at through the food menu and looking through the steaks, I get ready to order. And as soon as I get ready to order and I punch in my order, it says that it's closed, that it's shut down because I had waited too long. Waiter had closed three minutes earlier, and I missed out because I hesitated. I missed out on a big, juicy steak. And sometimes hesitation will cause you to miss out especially in our walk with God. If you hesitate, sometimes you can miss out on deliverance and love and hope and joy. This leader, this leader, this Jesus teaches us that he believes in us, that he loves you, that he can change our life, that he has something special for us, that he has a purpose for us, that he can give us a reason to wake up and live. And so as these disciples follow Jesus, he teaches them about loving people and serving people. He teaches them about prayer and grace and compassion and servanthood and holiness and integrity and kindness. But then he teaches them something that's gonna completely put their life on a different path. It's gonna completely put their life on a better path. It's gonna completely put their life on an eye-opening path. And this is what he taught them. This is what Jesus is looking for in you and I. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. It's in Matthew 25. We start in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Right here, Jesus says that the way we show love and the way we treat other people and the way we serve other people, the way we serve the least of these, the outcast, the unpopular, the uncool, the abused, the throwaways, the rejected is evidence if you truly follow Jesus or not. The evidence is not if you've cleaned up your act on the outside. 
The evidence is not if you've thrown away all your bad music. The evidence is not if you're just nice and tight and squeaky and you don't cuss anymore. All those things are fine. All those things are great. But that's not the evidence in your life that you're truly following Jesus. Jesus even said that the kingdom of heaven is going to be occupied by people who show love to the least of these. But then he tells us why we should not hesitate in following Jesus and loving the rejected among us. We pick up in verse 41. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you're cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked, you didn't give me any clothing. I was sick and in prison, you didn't even visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not help you? And Jesus will answer, I tell you the truth, the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. When this is all over, Jesus said, the truest test of our faith is how we treat the least of these. When this is all over, Jesus says the truest test of our faith is not our church attendance. It's not our baptism records. It's not how many sinners prayers we've prayed. It's not how many revivals we've been to. It's not how much we can speak in tongues. It's not all the bad things we stay away from. Jesus said heaven is occupied by people who fiercely love the outcasts. The truest test of our faith is how you treat those people that are unlike you, how you treat those people that are rejected and abused and broken and they're been outcasted. Now, a few things about this story. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. The first thing is this, take the love of Jesus everywhere you go. After the resurrection, all the Christians stayed in Jerusalem and then persecution hit them and they had to scatter throughout the rest of the world so they could stay alive. And as they scattered throughout the rest of the world and other countries and continents, guess what they brought with them? They brought the name of Jesus with them. And that's how Christianity spread all over the world. That's why we're talking about Jesus right now in Lake Charles because there was a small group of Christians after the resurrection and ascension in Jerusalem who were scared for their lives and harsh persecution hit them and they scattered all over the world, but they didn't leave the name of Jesus in Jerusalem. They brought the name of Jesus with them. Reminds me of my dad. I was thinking about him last night and how he always made it a point to tell everybody, I love you, I love you, and Jesus loves you. My dad's last words were to our neighbor and he said, hey, I love you. And he would have told anybody that. It was just my neighbor that happened to be there. My dad just had love in him. He said the same thing about his father, my grandpa that I never knew, Grandpa Bork. He always brought love in the name of Jesus with him. And that's the point that Jesus is trying to make right here in Matthew 25. Everywhere you go, take the love in the name of Jesus Christ with you. The next thing is this. Don't treat people the way you think Jesus would. Treat them like they are Jesus, standing right in front of your face. Our mission as disciples is not to ask, what would Jesus do? It's never been our mission. Or, how would Jesus treat this person? Jesus said in this passage, a better question to ask is this, how would you treat Jesus if he was standing right in front of you and he was hungry? Wouldn't you feed him? If Jesus himself came to you and was thirsty, if he was sick, wouldn't you help him? Wouldn't you bring him into your home? Jesus doesn't say treat people the way I would treat them. Jesus says treat the outcasts of society like they are Jesus. Even Mother Teresa said that. She said, every time I look into the face of the poor, I'm looking into the face of Jesus Christ. I don't ever ask myself anymore, how would Jesus treat this person? I always ask myself this, this person is Jesus. How would I treat Jesus right now if he was standing right in front of me? The next thing is this, God calls us to have a braver relationship with the wounded. 
Jesus says that you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. You don't light a candle and put it under a bowl, but you let your light shine before people so they can see your love and see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't keep God's love to yourself. Cherish it, but don't cherish it secretly. Cherish it enough to share it and take the name of Jesus with you to the people that are hurting around you. You know, stories mean a lot to me. Stories can really change your life if you let them impact your heart. When I was a senior in high school, I heard a story that really changed my life. We were at a high school assembly, and there was this man there who was talking about choices. And he told us that he was very, very good friends with Elvis growing up. And so after, after, the, after the assembly, I was so pumped that he knew Elvis, because that's all I heard. It was like, man, Elvis, Elvis. So I went to talk to him, and this is the story that he told me after I started a conversation with him. His mom abandoned him when he was four years old at midnight in a grocery store parking lot in a grocery buggy. After that, he was raised in foster care till he was 18. No one ever adopted him. He felt rejected his entire life. When he was 24 years old, he told me that he got invited to a Bible study by some parents who had all lost their children. And they were all there to have a support group Bible study for losing their children. And they invited him. And as they invited him, they just rallied around him and they showed him love and they showed him Jesus. And they told him that night, You've been rejected your entire life, even by your parents. We're your new family now. Will you be our son? They spent Christmases with him, Thanksgiving with him, holidays with him. They introduced him to Jesus. And then he started to travel around the country as he got older, talking to high school kids about the choices that they make. And we all knew deep down that the reason why his life had changed was because of Jesus. So everywhere he went, even to the public schools, he brought love with him, and he brought the name of Jesus with him. And I just want to encourage you today. The first thing is this. If you feel like you're going through a dark time, Jesus is calling out your name. Stop. Don't hesitate. Let this be a turning point moment in your life. Run to him and let him love you. The second thing is this. Please don't convince yourself that you're really loving Jesus if you don't love the outcast and if you don't treat them like they're Jesus standing right in front of your face. We never ask the question, how would Jesus treat this person? We always ask the question, how would I treat this person if this person was Jesus standing right in front of my face? And so as you go out into your life this week, you're gonna be surrounded by people who are hurting. Take the name of Jesus with you. Let's pray. Father, today we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for loving us. Jesus, we thank you for your name. It's powerful. And this week we take your name with us everywhere we go. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Hope to see you back next week.